Well, if you want to take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. I don't know about you, but when I have a plan and something is not coming together for my plan, it frustrates me immensely. Like, really bad. Like, I'm trying to find my keys so that I can go to work. Or I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, the keys so I can get into the shed so that I can mow the lawn and my keys aren't where I think they should be. I don't know why they're not where I think they should be. They're just not, you know. It's probably Anastasia's fault, not really. But it's probably because I left them in my other coat or in my other sweater. But I'm frantically scouring the house looking for this item so that my plan can fall into place. And our text this morning is going to highlight God's plan and how God's plan unfolds and actually comes to I think that the big idea is that the Sovereign Father's plan is fulfilled through the Sufficient Son. The Sovereign Father's plan is fulfilled through the Sufficient Son. If you would take your Bibles, let's read Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 5. Verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature like a face, had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each had six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who was on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll to look at it. 
So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard, saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are worthy, that your plan stands and that you do have a plan for this world and that we're not simply going through this life with all the uncertainties from our vantage point without a course that has been set and that is firm and is established and is unchanging we thank you that you are in control and that you continue to watch over and to care for us even now we pray that as we reflect on this passage that we would indeed see the fact that you are worthy of worship because you are sovereign you are holy you are merciful you are good we pray that we would see that your son is worthy because he has been slain for our sins he has redeemed us to you he has allowed us to be part of your kingdom that is coming and you have allowed us to be priests to you. We pray that we would rejoice in these truths and that we would live out these truths in a dynamic, meaningful way to the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen. The text begins and it talks about the sovereignty of the Father. I think that is the overarching theme that John is trying to communicate in chapter 4. It is that God is sovereign, that God's will will be accomplished. It's interesting, as the story opens up, as John is invited into the throne room, he sees the door, and it's open, and a voice comes and tells him, what? To come and see the future. The voice comes and tells him, like a trumpet, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. The future is going to be revealed to him. 
What's going to happen? What the world holds in store is going to be revealed to John. And John is willing to hear. And so he gets up and he goes into the court. And in verse 2, he begins to see God the Father in all his glory and splendor. He enters into the court, and there's a throne set in heaven. And what does the throne signify? It does definitely signify wealth, but a throne that simply signifies wealth is really kind of an empty concept, isn't it? Without power, a throne is a pretty decoration, but that's it. The throne must also signify something greater. It signifies that there is authority, there is power, there is a plan. And this plan will be carried out and that it will be completed as God has ordained. And God is the one who is sitting on the throne. The text moves on and it says that God is central to the throne room. Everything is surrounding God the Father in the center of the room. It's interesting, the words as we move through the passage just go in circles that expand, describing what is going on around God the Father. Why? Because He is central, He is sovereign, and His will is the center of everything. The text also describes with various stones and various other things what this God is like. He is there's jasper and there's sardius stones. It could be that the sardius maybe is talking about the fact that God is wrathful. It's a it's a red stone is what is believed. There's a rainbow potentially signifying that he is a merciful God, going back to what God told Noah when he gave him the first rainbow, signifying that he is a God who is merciful and will keep his covenants, that he is faithful. But then the, the circle gets bigger, doesn't it? In verse 4, the throne is surrounded by 24 elders, and these elders are sitting on their own smaller thrones, and they are robed in white. In Daniel chapter 7, the, the Ancient of Days is also described as white. Why? Because he is holy, he is pure, he is the epitome of good. And so the text describes God as holy and as good, so his will, what he desires to accomplish, is going to be good and perfect and right. The text moves on, and as it does so, it tells us that there's proceeding lightnings and thunders and voices. What's going on here? Echoing God's power. And it's being visually demonstrated through lightning. I don't know about you, but I love a good um, thunderstorm with the lightning. I, I really miss living in Ghana for this fact. Because in Ghana, you could just open your windows. Like, really open them. Not like half open them like here. And you could really hear the thunder just crackle. And the power that is in those lightning bolts. And you could see the light just flash through your whole room. And then when the wind blew really hard, then the, the water from the rain would fly in through your window and hit you on your bed. And it would be like, 
That's nice. It's almost like AC, right? It was great. But it demonstrated power, and that's what's coming forth from the throne. God is powerful. He is central. He is sovereign. He will accomplish his will. He will do what he wants. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. Probably signifying here that God is transcendent above all else. Imagine if you stepped into my house one of these Thursdays, not this Thursday, but another Thursday when you come to our house for one of our fellowship meals. And when you stepped into my house, I had this sea that separated me and you. What would that say about my view of myself compared to you? It'd say that I want to be a little standoffish because I think I'm a little superior to you. So, you know, you've got to stay at least, you know, six feet apart or, you know, maybe ten feet. Right? That's the idea. There's a sea that encircles, that is in front of him. And so John comes in, but he's not like, you know, six feet away from the throne. He's looking on from a distance. There is a sea of crystal. The crystal then is clear, probably once again signifying the fact that not only is God transcendent, he is high and mighty and he's distant from us, but also that he is holy and he is pure. The text moves on and tells us that the four living creatures proclaim the holiness of God. Once again, we have another another segment of going out from the throne. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures. And he describes them. There was one that was like a lion, there was one like a, a calf, and there was one with a face like a man, and then there was one like a flying eagle. And they stand there, and their whole purpose, day and night without rest, is to proclaim over and over and over again, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He is transcendent, He is holy, He is lofty. You and I do not come close to comparing to Him. That is what the text is emphasizing. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Spontaneous praise burst out in the courtroom of heaven and God is holy he is just he is wrathful he is merciful and he is all powerful his will will be accomplished and John has been invited into this throne room to see what God's plan includes can you imagine being invited into the throne room to see how this whole world is going to pan out What's going to be the end of all this? Exactly how God gains the victory over all the evil that is present in our world? 
John has been invited to see this, and he sees God's power, he sees God's holiness, he sees God's transcendence, he sees God's sovereignty, and he's like, wow, we've got this. It's in the bag. It's done. God is surely going to win. And because of that, God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our obedience. But the sufficiency of the Son is next. John has been invited, remember verse 1, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And as he's got in there and he's heard the four living creatures echoing to one another, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, and then the, the 24 elders falling down and saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And in verse 5, here's the plan. This is why John is here. The scroll. Verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him who was on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. What's it getting at? The plan is revealed, but it is sealed. And it's perfectly sealed. Only the person who is worthy can open the seal. And unless it can be opened, what's not going to happen? Unless it can be opened, God's plan will not be revealed to John. And more importantly, God's plan will not be carried out. The God who sits in splendor, who sits in glory, who sits in majesty, who is holy, who is righteous, who is just, who is merciful, who is good, his plan will not be accomplished unless someone can open the seal. And so an angel comes and he proclaims with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And the response in verse 3, And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Can you imagine how crushing that would have been for John? Absolutely emotionally crushed. And he weeps. Why? Because what he's devoted his entire life to is serving God, to see that God's plan is fulfilled. And here he is before the throne room of God, looking on at God's glory and holiness, and it appears as if it's all for nothing. Why? Because no one is worthy to open the scroll and to reveal and to start accomplishing God's end plan. And how God's going to make sure everything turns out just like he wants. Makes all evil right. John looks on and he weeps. Then I looked. So I, I wept much, verse 4. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. God is worthy and yet in verse 4, no one is worthy to open the scroll, and God is not qualified to open it. And so how will God accomplish his plan? How will God fulfill what he has promised John? How will God see that Jesus Christ's death was not for, any, for nothing? And that's when one of the elders who surrounds the throne 
comes to John and he says, one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. God's plan will be fulfilled. Why? Because Jesus Christ is sufficient. He has conquered the grave. He has won the victory. And because of that, he is able to approach the throne that demonstrates the sovereignty, holiness, and power of God. He's able to take that scroll, to open that seal scroll, and to begin to see God's plan unfold. And that's what chapter 6 and following is going to begin to show us what's in the seal. I don't think that's all that's in the seal, but it's a big part of what is in the seal. So God, plan, God's plan will be fulfilled. God's plan will be worked out. And so John is wiping away his tears. And he looks, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Wait a second. It was a lion. But now it's a lamb. Why? Because he is powerful. He will rule. But how did he get qualified to be the lion of Judah? How is he worthy to open the scroll? It's because of his ministry that he accomplished on the cross on your behalf and on my behalf. Because you are unworthy, because I am unworthy, because you are a sinner, because I am a sinner, because your heart is deceitful and wicked, and because my heart is deceitful and wicked, and because there is nothing that you could do that would earn God's right, God's favor. There is nothing that I could do that would earn God's favor. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for your sins and to die for my sins. And so he is the slain lamb, who is also the king. And the kingdom is pictured by the fact that he is the lion. Stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Why? Because it had been slain. <clears throat> Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. What's that being? What's being pictured here? A lamb now stands with the father. The lamb receives the throne. Beginning, or the seven horns, most likely picturing his power, his might. It's generally what is believed to be thought about there. That it is demonstrating that he has perfect power, perfect authority. The seven eyes. What do eyes do? Eyes see. Very good. And so he is omnipotent and he is omnipresent. He is all powerful. But he is also all present. He sees everything. And because of that, he will accomplish God's purposes. God's will will be carried out. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And what is the response of all of heaven when he takes the throne? Look at verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl of full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain. Because you have redeemed us to God by your blood. And because out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, 
You've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. The Lamb takes the scroll, and it is obvious God's purposes, God's will will be accomplished. God will not be stuck up in heaven with all the power, but unwilling, unable to open the scroll and to accomplish that plan. Why? Because the Son is sufficient. He is worthy. And so all of heaven bursts into praise. Remember where John is. Where is John? John is in the throne room of God. What does John see? What does John hear? John sees the throne room of God. God hear, or John hears the throne room of God. And there's thousands and thousands of angels, the 24 elders, the four living creatures, all praising God the Father and God the Son. And just when you think that the praise and the glory and the majesty that is being ascribed to our God could not get any greater, just keep reading. Verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them was ten thousands and ten times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. But he's not done yet. Remember where he is? He's in the throne room. Remember what he hears? <coughs> he hears the throne room. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the, four, the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. He is worthy. And myriads and myriads of thousands of thousands of angels join in, capturing all creation. The chorus builds to a second crescendo. I don't know about you, but I really do enjoy going to um, orchestras. I didn't used to. I used to think that it was, you know, just kind of boring. And But I love it when they hit a crescendo. That's like my favorite. When, when like, Everybody's just going full blast and it's like really, really loud. And Anastasia does too. I was watching a YouTube of some sort of orchestra the other day and every time we'd get to the crescendo, she'd be... <laughs> and just when you think that the crescendo can't get any better, when the composer is able to work about the music in such a way that the crescendo hits an even higher crescendo, and what you thought was the crescendo is no longer the crescendo... That's some really cool music. And that's what's being described here. Why? Because that is what God the Father and God the Son are worthy of. And only that is sufficient. Only that is sufficient in honoring and worshiping our God. The living creatures and the elders bow down and worship, saying, Amen. This is the only fitting response that could possibly be described. 
Why? Because God is sovereign, God is holy, God is good, God is righteous, God is wrathful. And God has a plan to deal with all the problems that are going on in our world. And because His Son, Jesus Christ, is worthy to allow His plan to be unfolded and take place in the world. And so the only appropriate response for you and for me is to say, Amen. So be it. God's will be done. That's what they're saying. God's will be done. Let it be as it has been said. What does God's perfect plan will be accomplished because the Son is worthy. So what does this text mean for your life? What does this text mean for my life as we, we go through this coming week? It's maybe a little different of a Thanksgiving service, right? It's not really the traditional text, maybe. Traditional might be, you know, a song or another passage that talks a lot more about thankfulness. There's one reference to thanks, and it's about angels giving thanks, not about you and me giving thanks. There's actually very little reference to human beings praising God until we get to the very end where you hit that final crescendo where all creation and everything in the earth and everything in the sea is praising God and glorifying for him who he is. But I think that the text has a number of applications that you and I should seek to institute into our lives. We must join in the chorus of praise and thanksgiving. And we are blessed to live in a nation that gives us an opportunity to slow down and to spend one weekend contemplating who our God is and the multiple blessings he has given us. It is your responsibility and it is your privilege to join in this chorus and to praise God for the fact that he is worthy and for all that he has done and will do. That is what this weekend is about. Do not allow this weekend to go by without spending ample time praising God for the fact that He is holy, He is righteous, He is just, He is faithful, He is merciful, He is wrathful. The fact that He has a plan and that His Son is worthy and that His Son has been slain to redeem you so that you can be a king and a priest with your God. We must join in the chorus of praise and thanksgiving. We rejoice that God is sovereign. Our world is full of all sorts of uncertainties, all sorts of things that are concerning to my heart, concerning to your heart, things that our nation are concerning. No matter where you side on the elections, it's concerning. If Trump is lying, the elections have been um, put in doubt for years to come, which is not good. If Trump is truthful about his accusations... That's not good either, because that means great evil is at work. Either way, there's great evil at work. And we look at that, and it can be daunting, it can be scary. Where do we go for comfort? Where do we go for hope? We turn to Revelation chapter 4, and we say, God is sovereign, God is good, God will accomplish his will. Why? Because the Son is sufficient, and our hope is found in him. So we rejoice that Christ offered himself as our perfect sacrifice. And then finally, we live as his image bearers, portraying him through obedience. 
It is foolish of us to come and to say we praise God through song and then go back into our normal life and live as if nothing about us has changed. Why? Because the whole idea over and over again in Scripture is that you are changed, that you are no longer yourself, that you have been bought with a price, that you are now redeemed, that you have died to yourself, that you now live to Christ. And so for you and I to simply sing songs that worship and praise God for his glory and his splendor and his majesty, but then to go back to our normal way of life without being drastically changed by the message of hope and salvation that is found in Jesus Christ and the message of hope that is found for our future in God's sovereign plan is foolhardy. And so how do we live as image bearers? What does that look like? What does obedience look like? I think it implies that we know his will. Which then requires that we be studying his revealed will. I think a very real application for this text is that we are pursuing to know and understand and follow and live in obedience to God's will. Which takes time and it takes energy. And it takes a lot of discipline too. Because it's not always easy to crack open your Bible and to read it. Sometimes many other things in our lives are pulling for our attention, are pulling for our time and our energy. But God is worthy. And His plan will be accomplished. And because it will be accomplished, you and I might as well go about trying to seek to accomplish His plan in our own lives. Are you guys, am I, pointing our friends and our family to our God? He is sovereign. His will will be accomplished. Why? Because Jesus Christ has paid the sacrifice. Are you pointing your friends and your family to him? Am I pointing my friends and my family to him? Have my relationships with my wife, with my children, with my neighbors with my other church members, have they reflected the fact that Jesus is worthy? Have my relationships with the various people I'm in contact with reflected the fact that God is merciful and holy and just and faithful and wrathful? We are image bearers. And so it is our responsibility to live in such a way that people look at us and they have a very small picture of what Jesus Christ is like. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you're worthy. That your plan will be accomplished. And in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the confusion that surrounds our world, with illness, with uncertainty in nations, that you are certain. We thank you that your Son has redeemed us to yourself, that we are now reconciled to you, that we are kings and priests. We pray that we would accurately reflect and portray you this coming week. In your name we pray. Amen.